Welcome to New Catholic Church. You're listening to this week's sermon by Pastor Daryl Finchley. So he spoke this parable to them, saying, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he says, excuse me, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise there's more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine just persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls her friends and her neighbors and together and saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I lost. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Then he said, A certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed into a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. Jesus tells one parable containing three stories in answer to the accusations of the Pharisees. He tells of a lost sheep, a lost coin, and lost sons. Three stories, but one parable. The idea is that they fit together. They have the same elements. In the first two stories, there's something lost, and someone intentionally goes out, searches for it, and brings it home with joy. The shepherd searches until he finds the lost sheep. He didn't just write it off as a loss because he had 99 left. The woman intentionally lights a lamp and sweeps the house. Searching until she finds the lost coin and then invites her friends to rejoice with her. So when Jesus tells the third story about two sons, his listeners fully expect that somebody will intentionally set out to search for the lost son. But no one does. It's not in the story. So the question is, who should have searched out? The wayward son. Well, the people that were listening to Jesus were very familiar with the scripture. There's another story in the Bible about two brothers, an elder and a younger brother. It's found in Genesis chapter 4. It's Cain and Abel. Cain makes his offering of the, of the grain and God doesn't respect it. Abel makes his offering of the blood of, a, of, a, of the firstborn lamb. And God has respect to his offering. And Cain is angry. And he's resentful. And he murders his young brother, Abel. In verse 9 of Genesis 4, the Lord says to Cain, Where is Abel, your brother? And he said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? Am I my brother's keeper? And God said, verse 10, and he said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. What's the implied answer to Cain? Am I my brother's keeper? The implied answer is yes. Yes, you're your brother's keeper. Yes, you are responsible. 
The voice of your brother's blood cries out against you. The elder brother should have been the one who would have went after the younger to bring him back home. Remember, he had received his share of the inheritance that the father divided between them. He got two-thirds. It was his, not only his greater inheritance, but his greater responsibility to protect the family's unity and its place in the community. He could have said, Father, my brother's stupid. He's acted the fool and he's in danger of being lost, ruined, or perishing. I'm going to go find him and I'm going to look for him. And I'm going to bring him back regardless of the cost. But Jesus doesn't put a brother like that in his story. Instead, the younger son gets a Pharisee for a brother. My brother got a Pharisee for a brother who's self-righteous, obstinate, and hard. I tell you that because if he listens to the tape, I didn't want him thinking I'd say he was the uh, uh, Pharisee. Uh, Okay. The story, we tend to think of the younger brothers reuniting with the family, and it didn't cost anything. It looks like it's free. It looks like he's got the deal. He won the lottery. There's no punishment. He doesn't even get to finish his confession and his plan for restoration. His father's heart is filled with compassion. He falls on him with kisses. He puts the best robe on him. He's a ring and shoes and he throws him a party with the fatted calf. It's all free. It's just so free. Some people think that's the way God is. Some people think that God's just forgiving and he's overlooking and he's restoring. It's just all grace. It's just all grace. Well, it's, absolute, it's absolutely grace, but like Dietrich Bonhoeffer says, grace is free, but it's not cheap. The reconciliation is free to the younger brother, but it's very costly for someone else. This may be the reason the elder brother was angry and wouldn't go in. He's seeing what the father's grace is costing him. You see, the younger brother had already spent his part, and how was he going to be received back? Whose robe was it? Whose ring? Who's paying for those shoes? And the party? What's a fattened calf worth these days? He alludes to it in verse 29. He says, all these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you did, you told me to do. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. In other words, you've never spent that on me and I haven't spent it on myself. Everything the father has now is legally the elder brother's responsibility. He's the only heir in the family now. All that the father has left is his. So every robe, every ring, every fattened calf, every cent of the father's is ultimately under the responsibility of the elder brother. And the father says it. His father said to him, look here, dear son, you've always stayed with me and everything I have is yours. You see, the restoration of the younger brother is not free at all. It's already been extremely expensive. Look at the feast. 
And it will continue to be extremely expensive. The younger brother's back, but now he's going to be needing lots of stuff. He's been given a ring of authority. He's been given shoes as a son. The father can't forgive, restore, and save the young son except at the expense of the elder brother. And he's not going to pay it. He's not going to do it. I'm not coming in. We listen to that story and we're saddened by the attitude of the older brother, but also by the mishap of the younger son. We're excited about the freedom and we're excited about the forgiveness But here's the thing, God doesn't want us, Jesus is not telling the story and wanting our minds to go to that elder brother. He wants our minds and our hearts to see what's missing. Forgiveness, reconciliation, restoration, and freedom is never free. Someone has to pay. Either the sinner has to earn his way back, which is impossible, The younger son could never have been a hired servant long enough to repay what he lost. And someone, someone has to bear the cost of forgiveness and restoration. The story of this elder brother is here to make everybody who was listening long for a true elder brother. One who... If we go astray, if we get lost, if we're headed for destruction, who won't hold it against us, but will seek us and bring us back at any risk and cost to himself. This morning I want to tell you, you have that elder brother. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Verse 17, for God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through Him. Well, if Jesus is the only begotten of the Father, He's the firstborn. He's the elder brother. As the firstborn, He's heir of all. Here's what I see what Jesus was saying when He said to the elder brother, The father said to him, look, dear son, you've always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. I can see Jesus realizing that's what the father said to him. Son, you've always been here. You've always been here and all I have is yours. All I have. But in Philippians chapter 2, it says this, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Everything, Father, you told me to do, I've done. Hear it? Even to the place of paying the ultimate price. Romans 5, verse 6 says this, When we were utterly helpless... Lost. Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now most people would not be willing to die for an, for an up, now most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though some perhaps might die, be willing to die for a person who's especially good. But God showed His great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. While we were lost. Headed for destruction. Headed for ruin. 
2 Corinthians 5.19 says, For it was God, God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. Verse 21, For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Forgiveness was free to the perpetrator, but it cost our Lord everything. Our elder brother, we enjoy the freedoms that we do in this world right now. And in America, we have incredible freedoms, but they came at an incredible price. We often take it for granted. Yeah, well, I have rights. I have rights. Well, yeah, you do, thanks to someone who stood up for your rights. Who gave the ultimate sacrifice that you might be free. God was in Christ. Bringing the whole world back to himself. Not counting people's sins against them. Edmund Clowney tells the true story of a young man who was missing in action during the Vietnam War. When the family could no longer couldn't get any official word about their son, the older son flew to Vietnam and risking his life searched the jungles and the battlefields for his lost brother. It said that despite the danger and the risk to his own life, he never got hurt. Because those on both sides, North and South Vietnamese, both sides had heard of his dedication and they respected his quest. And he became known in Vietnam as the brother. The brother. We have a brother. How do you get the father's robe? Because Jesus was stripped naked on the cross. And now he's robed in his righteousness. How do you get the father's ring? His authority. Because all authority was restored to Jesus by His resurrection. And He says, now you go. How do we get the Father's feast? Because Jesus took the cup of wrath that we might have the cup of salvation and joy. And there's a feast being planned right now for everyone who responds to Jesus' search. The marriage supper of the Lamb. Jesus is your true elder brother. We often identify with the younger son and we identify with the elder brother and sometimes we wish we were like the father. But here's the thing. I think the big one that we need to see and identify with this morning is Jesus. Luke 19.10 says this, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who are lost. That's why I came. You're worried about why I'm eating with sinners. You're worried about who I'm including. I want to tell you, I'm including everybody. That's why I came. I came not only just to save. Now listen to me. I didn't come just to save the lost. I came to seek and to save. You're here this morning because He sought you. He's the one that took the initiative. To reveal Himself to you. To open your mind and your heart 
to receive, to get you out of your place of tragedy and step into his triumph. He's the one who would not just go into a far country, but would come all the way from heaven to earth to find you. He's the one who would not just open his wallet for you. He'd pour his life into you. He's the one who would restore us to the family, to the kingdom. But at a great expense, the ultimate expense. Jesus paid willingly, lovingly, and longingly for all who were lost, headed for ruin, destruction, perishing. God's not willing, listen to me, God's not willing that any should perish. Sometimes we think God's out to get us. <laughs> He's out to get us all right. He's out to save us, to redeem us, to restore us. You're free today because of the blood of Jesus Christ, not because of some religious activity that you have taken up. God's not willing. And because He's not willing, He sent His Son to seek and to save. It's the goodness of God that leads to repentance. God didn't send His Son to judge you. He sent His Son to save you. If you're feeling judged, if you're feeling condemned, it's because there's one who accuses you, one who seeks to condemn you and to keep you from the Father's love. And here's the bad thing is, you know you're always going to be a younger son or an elder brother. Isn't it amazing how you can be one and then be the other? You once were a younger son and now you redeemed you and now you turned into an elder brother. But here's the thing. Jesus doesn't quit seeking. He doesn't quit seeking. You can't run from him far enough. He can't find you. Aren't you glad? Listen to me, and you can't do anything so bad He can't save you. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all unrighteousness. We're free today because of soldiers who died on a, died for us in our past. We're free today because Jesus lived and died for every sin, not only that we have committed, that we are committing, or that we will commit. All sin has been paid for through the blood of Jesus. The issue is whether you will accept it. The issue is whether you will receive it. Hebrews 2.10 says, God, for whom and through whom everything was made, chose to bring many children into glory, and it was only right that He should make Jesus, through His suffering, a perfect leader, fit to bring them into their salvation. Verse 11, so now Jesus and the one he makes holy have the same Father. That is why Jesus is not ashamed to call them his brothers and sisters. Jesus is not ashamed of you this morning. Some of you need to hear that. He puts no shame on you. Because he saw it and paid for it all along. He's not ashamed.
to call you brother. That means you're a joint heir with Jesus. All I have is yours. And and Jesus says, and all I have I give to you. All I have. So this morning, why don't just slip on that robe of righteousness? Yeah, you don't think it fits, but it does. It was made on a cross 2,000 years ago just for you. A robe of righteousness. Put that ring on your finger. All authority has been given unto me. Now you, what you ask in my name, I'll do. You see, you have an elder brother that doesn't just pat you up and set you on your way. You have an elder brother that robes you with his righteousness, that gives you his authority, and he prepares your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, with the shoes of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, the belt of truth. You're fully formed and armed to be joint heirs with Jesus this morning. He found you. He found you. If I could say anything to you this morning, it would be, be found. Be found. Let Him find you. Welcome to the family. Acknowledge your need for Him. Acknowledge His provision for you. Receive it. You're still trying to pay for it. Folks, it's paid for. God doesn't want your promises of what you're going to do for Him if He'll come through. God doesn't want your promises. He wants your presence. He wants you. Let me ask you a question. Do you think you can do anything for God that will impress Him? then why don't you just get into him, into His presence and let His majesty impress you, His goodness and His mercy. We have a brother who's seeking and saving. Folks, He'll not only save you of your past, He'll save you of your present, and He'll save you in your future. Put on His robe. Put on His ring. Shod your feet. You're a son. You're a daughter. He's not ashamed to call you brother, sister. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come with the authority of your name to invite you. Lord, to invite you to respond to our heart cry and our thanksgiving. We thank you that you're not ashamed to call us brothers and sisters this morning. We thank you that the price has been paid, that everything necessary has been done. Lord, we're going to step in, slide our feet under the table, and look for what you're going to be doing in our lives. Thank you that you're our elder brother, the true elder brother, who who seeks and finds and saves and delivers. Lord, I pray for everyone here this morning. I pray that you would... Capture our hearts. Don't let us forget what the ultimate price has been paid. And now because it's been paid, we can step into our freedom and enjoy your provision and know that we can live in your presence. Thank you. My heart just wells to say thank you. That today I'm included. I'm your younger brother. 
I'm yours, Lord. Have your way in me. Whatever you want, let me be a part of what you're doing. We honor you and we bless you. In Jesus' name. Would you stand together Thank with Thank you me? for listening to this week's message. For more information or to listen to past sermons, go to newcovenantlampasses.com.